The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. <coughs> Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean, and you are clean though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. <coughs> After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so also ought you wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once, little children. I am only with you a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
when my three boys were very little, I found myself doing and saying the most ridiculous things, even things that seemed to contradict my nature. Like, for example, letting go of their tiny hands when they took their first unsteady steps, fully understanding the only way they could walk was for me to let go. That bruised knees are inevitable in learning a steady step. Cringing as their bikes crashed into the asphalt of our driveway as I unconvincingly yelled, you got this. Commanding them to bathe every day and brush their teeth twice every day, even though they were masters of cheating, <laughs> avoiding soap and water and toothpaste, as if these things were hot lava, insisting on good posture and table manners, poking and prodding them with bony German fingers, which frighteningly resembled my grandmother's, <laughs> urging them to shake hands, greet people, engage in small talk, drilling church talk so deeply into their heads that one time, while introducing Jacob to a Gloria Day parishioner, I prompted Jake, what do you say? And he shot back, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> and then corrected himself to, I mean, I'm happy to meet you. <laughs> At times they've said things like, why am I thanking this server for bringing me a salad? To which I hissed, because it's good for you, now eat it. The heart-wrenching conversation of a young son pledging, Mom, I promise I will always live with you, even in your basement. While knowing at some point the bird must get nudged from the nest, even while the mother bird's heart shreds. Commanding early, and military rigid bedtimes, even on long summer days, even as they screamed out the parsonage windows, save us to whomever would listen. <laughs> even as I turned Mozart up to maximum volume and poured myself a fat glass of Cabernet. <laughs> then there were difficult lessons, like teaching what pain and empathy mean. Christian still bears the scar on his finger when I snapped and bit him back after his months-long biting spree, saying to him, you need to understand what pain feels like. <laughs> the time I held Jacob's arms behind him 
so that his little brother Philip could get one good punch in <laughs> after Jacob had mercilessly pummeled him, saying to Jacob, you need to understand the damage that a fist can do. The countless times I pinned Jacob on the ground after watching on the animal planet how mama tigers discipline their cubs before they outgrow her, saying, you need to understand who's in charge here. <laughs> times of shots and vaccinations of holding flailing arms and legs down as sweat ran down my back, or the time Jacob outran the school nurse and locked himself in the girls' bathroom during <laughs> flu vaccinations, as they look at me accusingly, even though I wasn't the one giving them the shots, me saying to them, you don't understand this now, but it's so that you'll be healthy. The times I've said, no, you may not stick your brother's finger in an electrical socket. And yes, you must always wear pants. And no, you may never put frogs in the washing machine ever. Or no, you can never put silverware on the ceiling fan and turn it on high. <laughs> not necessarily because I'm a control freak. <laughs> Although maybe I am, but because these are hopefully instructions in raising young human beings to be loving, empathetic, and compassionate. Judge me, if you will, according to these confessed parenting methods and choices. But all of us, parent or not, have at times found ourselves in situations where we say or think or have been told, you do not understand what I am doing now, but one day you will. We do not understand this new thing that Christ is doing. We can't understand it. These days of Holy Week, we are invited into that mystery of things we do not understand. We do not understand how God creates everything with a word. We do not understand how God becomes human. We do not understand how Adam's sin infects everybody and Jesus' death saves everybody. We do not understand how mortal death leads to eternal life. We do not understand how a cross of ash becomes a cross of victory. We do not understand how a grave becomes an empty tomb. We do not understand how crucified flesh can be life-giving, how wine becomes the blood of Christ. We do not understand how sins that break us can be forgiven. We do not understand the devil's role in all this, who last showed his face to Jesus in the wilderness, only to reemerge today in the heart of Judas. We do not understand 
how Jesus continually loves Peter, despite his repeated inability to understand what's going on. We do not understand how the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings washes the feet of sinners. We do not understand the pain of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we do not understand his disciples' shame or his mother's grief. We do not understand the mysteries of heaven, even though it is the kingdom that we ourselves inherit. We do not understand how the creator of this entire universe could love little old us. There is no human reason here, no logic at all that explains or rationalizes our relationship with God. And so we trust in these shattered and strange times because we literally can do nothing else. We can't explain rationalize, justify, or prove anything about God's relationship to creation. No more than a child can explain, rationalize, justify, or approve the love he has for his mother, or the love the mother has for the child. Because in the deepest relationships, Trust begins precisely where logic ends. Why do we love the people whom we love? And why are we loved by others? There is no logic to this. We do not understand how one creature can bind itself to another. We do not understand how and why God binds God's self to us. But perhaps we can trust even a little bit that it's true, that God loves us not because of who we are, but because of who God is. What is it like then? What is it like to be loved to the end? What is it like to be loved to the end, to the end of your rope, like Judas, to the end of your hope, like Peter, to the end of your life, like Lazarus, to the end of eternity, like creation. What is it like to trust with the trust of a child? Trusting the one who holds you fast, even in the midst of things you cannot understand. What is it like to have no choice, really, but to trust the one who loves you to the end of all your days and into eternity, even though you have no idea what's going on. Even when you are steeped in confusion and despair, even when words fail and emotions reel, even when you finally fall silent and exhausted, panting into the arms of the only one who will never let you go, it looks like the cross, which Jesus now willingly ascends, and upon which he dies. 
collapsing into the arms of the one who will never let him go, even when the earth trembles and the sun stops shining and the human heart tears in two.